Now on Radio Italia Uno. It's time for Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. An hour where we have lots of fun with very interesting guests. We talk about how to start, build, and increase your business. Right now, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and good night. And the reason why we say that is because we are lucky enough to have people all over the place listening to us at different times and different time zones and also different countries. We have uh, over 20 countries, I believe, at last count that people are listening to us. And uh, it's been fantastic. The growth of this uh, particular podcast, thanks to Ron from uh, Podcast City, um, has helped uh, a lot because people can hear it at their particular location at their particular time instead of having to stay up or late in the evenings or first thing in the mornings. It's helped. Plus the fact, of course, you can hear it on Radio Italia Uno every Monday from 2 to 3. So um, I am actually very happy this morning. We had uh, a lot of things happening on the weekend where guests uh, uh, cancelled or weren't able to come and uh, we moved things around. And that happens a lot, unfortunately, in our business people. Uh, business people who are very, very busy all the time are more than happy to come in and share a wealth of knowledge with uh, our listeners. And we are so pleased that they do come and share. And a lot of the information that we give is you know, very valid of people actually doing it, not just talking about it, but these are people who are actually doing it or have done it and then explain to everybody else how to do it. And, uh, of course, Matt, welcome again. Thanks for being with us. It's a a pleasure as always. Yep. Today we have a good old friend uh, that we haven't seen for a while because of the COVID and a whole host of other things. Armando, welcome back. Thank you, Peter. How are you? Grazie. Benissimo, grazie. Tutto. (laughs) Tutto a posto, tutto bene, la vita è così bella. Okay, so what he, basically what he said was uh, everything's wonderful and life is beautiful. Well, would you like me <laughs> to talk in English? <laughs> yes, yeah, speak in English because we have um, everybody that listens to our program uh, understand English. I do um, apologise for that. That's okay, I, I, that's I cool. I shall stick to the, uh, the English lingua then. That's good. No, we have a lot of Italians listening to our program, but the good thing about this program Although it's on Radio Italia Uno, um, we have so many people who are listening to the program who are non-Italian. But, of course, most of the Italians that do listen to us also speak English quite fluently. Thank you, Peter, uh, for the invite. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, glad to be here again. And uh, Yeah, it's good. Everyone looks so good. Ron yep. is fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and Matt, Matt here. Uh, our new friend. We're, I never met Matt. Yeah, yeah, well, we had to import him from America, you mm. know. Oh. He's from Chicago. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so well, welcome back yeah. to, or welcome Luckily, to Australia. Luckily, isn't calculated by weight. <laughs> <laughs> Matt has been running his own business uh, here in, in Australia since he's been here for quite a while. He's uh, He came over here to run a business for an American company, um, saw the opportunity to... Uh, grow that business and grew it very, very big. And then, of course, um, left and started his own business or several different businesses he's run over this time uh, that he's been here. And what is really interesting, um, now he's sort of helping other people to grow their businesses as well. So that's why I've got him in here as a co-presenter with me um, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Beautiful. And, of course... Nice meeting you. you are still mine. Yep, and you're still working with... uh, your insurance? Yes, so I'm still part of the Guardian Insurance Group, of Good. course. Yeah. Good. And how, how are they going during this Fantastic. COVID times? Well, yeah, very busy, extremely busy, uh, winning new uh, 
new clients. Excellent. Because we're providing great service. All right. So tell us yeah. something. Um, how has this COVID really affected you? And the fact that you're still going is, is proof that you're, you're doing well. So what did you have to do to change? How? Okay. Well, I, I think primarily people have to adjust. And uh, COVID-19, of course, uh, it, it's a new norm. Uh, we no longer do work the way we used to, uh, so 2019, mm. 2020. So, and a lot of people have adjusted and done very well. Actually, they have increased their, their business, so have we. Yep. Because we change our, our, our method of, uh, of dealing, yep. uh, positive mental attitude, and uh, if we couldn't see the client on their side, we spoke to, with them, mm -hmm. and uh, we provide the service that uh, they require. Yep. in order to, to stay in business and continue on. Okay, so of course, if you're in Adelaide, um, I, you know, I highly recommend Armando and uh, the owners and directors of uh, Guardian Insurance and, uh, you know, look them up, get a quote from them and I'm sure you'll be happy, um, not only about with the quote, but the service and the level of service they give is, is very good. Do you, do you know, Peter, what uh, I'm, this has always been on, of course, but uh, I sort of carefully... Uh, look into what companies do, and uh, I realise that not many companies really mm -hmm. follow their vision, mission, and values. Well, it's and and so yeah. you know, to me, it's so important because uh, what is your vision? What is your mission? And then, do you follow what you're saying? What yep. you have promised from the CEO to the clean almost. Mm -hmm. Because no point the CEO ha have a meeting or the general manager have a meeting with his staff or her staff. Yep. And then they walk away and say, well, don't worry about what Matt said. We still continue doing the way we used to do things. <laughs> and <laughs> this is very disturbing because um, it, it is not a good way of doing business. And well, let me assure you, Guardian, mm -hmm. that's what we do. And Evan Jackson, uh, Jackson yep. the principal, um, if he discovered that uh, one of us is not doing his, his job all he's out. Yep. Well, that's the thing. I know Evan and I know the fact that he's, he's a very interesting character, lovely man, and uh, he likes things done properly. And, and that's the thing about insurance. You can't muck around with it. You know? well, you, well, look, look, whatever you promise, you must deliver. Yeah. The, the thing is, over the weekend, I was at uh, somebody's house where um, somebody uh, had a, a tenant in the property and they've done a runner on them, right? And they've even taken the fridge. You know, there was this this place was, um, you know, all the appliances was provided. It was a brand new house. And when they moved out, they, besides the damage they left behind and all the trash they left behind, you know, it's amazing how much stuff was left behind. And but they took the fridge. You know, a two thousand dollar, two thousand plus fridge. You know, it was a big, big fridge, and they took that with them as well. Um, plus the fact they're not paying the rent and everything else, you know, the, and then the damages that they've done is incredible. Well, that were Now, the, 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 the thing is, when the girl that owns the, the unit went to talk to her insurance company, her insurance company said, no, that's not covered uh, under their policy. Well, you see, well, so this that, is well, really important. She had the wrong policy. Yeah, that's right. She had obviously the wrong policy. Obviously, uh, was not looked after by an insurance This is broker. important to talk about this because um, I can tell you myself, and I'm, you know, not that dumb either, but I had all my policies with a particular company, and I won't mention the names, but they, they look after people with uh, landlords' insurances, you know, and they're uh, you know, a big company and specialise in that area. When we rearranged our finance a couple of years ago, 
the guy at the bank, right, that I went to said, oh, yes, yes, we can do all this. And I said, look, well, I've got this really good company doing it for years. And I said, oh, look, you know, and he showed me some figures that were very compatible to what we had, right? And I said, okay, then, well, if it's if it's that close, that's making any difference. Might as well keep it here with you and the mortgage. So, you know, I was trying to sweet talk him to give me the mortgage, rearrange the mortgages. So they said, yeah, 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 no worries. Within about a month of doing that, right, I had a situation where I was going to make a claim. And I said, you know, we'd broken glass and windows and stuff that were broken. Uh, no, that got broken, not were broken. Let me say that properly. Got broken. I went to the bank and I said, look, you know, what about this? And I said, you know, um, what's our excess on our windows? He said, oh, no, no, your windows are not covered. Huh? I said, what do you mean? So I spoke to the bank manager, which I know quite well, and I said to him, hey, Tom, what, what's happening here? I said, this guy did this, this, this. He said, oh, Peter, he said, I'm very sorry. He said, that's why the guy's not with us any longer. Yeah, but that's he, not, not they, an excuse. The bank were growing faster than they had trainees people doing it. So they got somebody from outside to come in and look after their insurance portfolios and, and their mortgage lending and stuff. But this guy was just telling whatever he could just to get the loans. But, but and Peter, you, you know the issues there that that uh, banks should concentrate in doing banking business and leave the insurance to the experts. Oh, yeah. And the experts are insurance brokers. Well, because unfortunately now, the supermarkets are doing insurance. What yeah, are you talking well, about? Peter, if you're dealing directly with an insurer, yep. they have an obligation towards the insurer. Yeah. Not not to you, the, 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 the customer or the client. We insurance brokers have an obligation to take care of our insured affairs. Well, look. Advice for the right policy to suit his or her business. Yep. That's the difference. Matt, you've been writing some stuff down. You've uh, got a couple of questions. Uh, well, we've moved jump, on. From, jump in from at from any quite time. A few, but, you know, <laughs> I, what, what specific things uh, have, have you changed for COVID uh, that's kept the business on track or even growing? <clears throat> what what, what we, we stay very close to our clients mm -hmm. because uh, that was very important. Uh, I physically contact all the clients that I had. Hey, Matt, how things going? Uh, um, Phone calls. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we start talking, uh, business good, yeah, fantastic, yeah. Or look, we had a bit of downturn because da-da-da. I said, what are you doing to change that? Yeah. So, uh, and 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 that's the was, to me, was the fundamental um, uh, to... So you're consulting the people about yeah, their insurances and their business Because they need to overall. hear from somebody like us that will <coughs> look after their, their wealth. Yep. And uh, and uh, so that was primarily that, and I went to see them uh, wherever possible. And otherwise, we did the, on Zoom, we did on by telephone, by emails, but staying very close to the client. That was the issue that I thought not many did. Yeah. I think a lot and of people... And we were in time, and, yeah. uh, and also, Matt, as a result of that, um, we had referrals. We received referrals mm. from our clients. Mm. Mm. Um, because they were talking to him, I'd say, shit, I haven't heard from anyone yeah. from my insurance. Yeah, I think that's important because, uh, and you, you said it right at the beginning, and Matt mentioned it as well, that people have were forced to change. And, and some people, uh, like, you know, changed but didn't change enough or didn't change quick enough. And we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and we, we talk about it regularly, how people have changed or have been forced to change what they're doing. So you can't do the same old, same old. You have to do it a bit better, a bit different, and you polish up what you're doing. And, you know, I mentioned we went to a restaurant down the road here, um, just around the corner from where we are at the studio, and uh, 
there's a beautiful little restaurant. It was just a small restaurant. And my wife and I parked the car, walked across the road, and I thought, oh, my God, it's not there anymore. And I thought, oh, what a pity. You know, anyway, this was one of her favourite restaurants. So I thought, you know, too bad. And anyway, we walked up the street because it's a full street of things. And as we walked up the street, I saw the sign. I said, hang on a minute. There's a sign there. This restaurant had moved from where they were about 50 metres up the road, right? And that was a new restaurant. It was a bigger restaurant, wider and all that. And we looked inside. Honestly, it was chock-a-block full of people, right? And I said to my wife, I said, there's that many people in that restaurant. It must be good. She said, well, I've always enjoyed it. So we walked in and I said to the lady, and I recognised the lady. She sort of saw me and she said, oh, yeah. And I said, you were down there, right? And she said, yeah. She said, we've been wanting to move for a long time. I said, but there was no restaurants available on this strip, you know. But the restaurant that was in this place, she said, didn't work out. And they... They went into, they went into, into bigger. Yeah, because what happened was they weren't looking after their clients properly. They weren't servicing properly. They just thought people coming in, eat, go and run, you know. But this restaurant was a little restaurant and looked after the staff really well, looked after the clients really well, and the staff were really happy, came in and said, oh, how are you going? Great, you know, what would you like this evening? Just happened to be that little bit better. Because that's you know. why we go to a restaurant, to enjoy ourselves, uh, to drain our sorrow or... Or, or to celebrate yeah. a win or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you want to see uh, happy faces. Yeah, well, I... And smiling. And that's a problem today. It's not enough smiles, not enough love in this world. <laughs> okay. We're talking about that. We've got to come back in a minute. Um, we've just got to listen to our sponsors. So thank you very much, and we'll be back shortly. The event presented by Radio Italia Uno and Unique Stone has been postponed to Friday the 26th of March with a new program, an exciting and engaging show with double the entertainment and music. Guests of the evening are James Liotta, Daniela Fontanarosa and Sonic Circle, Rocco Speranza. Friday the 26th of March in the spectacular Woodville Town Hall Theatre. Doors open at 6.30pm. Tickets already purchased for February the 13th are directly valid for March the 26th. If If you want to book new tickets, don't wait. Call the radio at 8212-3177. 212-3177. In addition to the major sponsor Unique Stone, we're happy to have our platinum sponsors by our side. Mitola Family Farm and Northeast Isuzu. Radio Italia Uno. Sempre di più. Hi, I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, a family-owned and operated business for 19 years and counting. Our showroom and coffee machine workshop is based in Adelaide City Centre, where we showcase coffee machines, all types of coffee accessories and complimentary products, as well as five of our very own coffee blends, including our most popular Dolce Vita blend. Fine Choice Coffee Solutions is SA's home and authorised service centre for the fully automatic Euro coffee machines. Our staff are friendly and welcoming, and always looking forward to meeting new customers so come and say hi at 264 Gilbert Street in the city or you can shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au Gallipo Foods dal 1983 leader australiano nella vendita di distribuzione di una vasta gamma di generi alimentari tra i quali il prosciutto Spears dal gusto unico e delicato al palato Innovazione, professionalità e forte rapporto con dipendenti, clienti e fornitori fanno di Galipo Foods uno dei distributori più grandi, rispettati e premiati in tutta Australia. Galipo Foods, stima, 
fiducia e qualità. Radio Italia 1 Yes, thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thank you to all our listeners and thank you especially for all our sponsors. Um, please, I always say it and I'll keep saying it, support the people that support us. So um, if your business is uh, wanting to advertise, please get in touch with us here through Happy Business Radio, um, Radio Italia Uno. Uh, Martha is uh, in the office here and uh, she's our sales uh, person to contact and uh, we're more than happy to help promote your business on one of our programs or on Radio uh, Italia Uno. So thank you very much and please support the people that support us. Now we were talking about Armando, how he used to be a regular with me here and uh, he's been off and doing his uh, insurance and and, uh, planning and business consulting that he does. That's very close to my clients. Yes. That's what I had to do during very... um, well, uh, in, in tough times, you have tough to time, change. Yeah. You have to yeah. change quickly. And the fact is that, that you changed, your business changed, and you were able to do that. Now, Matt had a couple of questions he wanted to ask you. So, Matt, what? Please what, do, Matt. Well, I, I just, uh, you mentioned before how in the company, uh, most companies stray from their uh, co- their mission or their core values. Their which, vision, mission, and values. Which, yeah. which to me means it's not their mission or their core values, yeah. or they wouldn't stray from them. But in, in Guardian, what are the core values and, the, and what is the mission statement and how does Evan keep everybody tight to that? Because well, the core value, of course, is uh, your, your, your mission is to take care of a clients. That, the mission is to look after your clients your client, because yep. they're paying us to look after their business. And we have to make sure that we protect yesterday, today and tomorrow. What what I mean to say by that is that that will do very very close to them in relation to the values of their business. I we remember I remember during the eighties um, and the early nineties, it was a big big thing, and there was corporations and and lots of consultants going around to uh, companies and say, "Where's your mission statement? Where's mm. your mission statement?" Mm. Where's your vision statement? Where's your vision statement? And a lot of people didn't know the difference between vision and mission. And then when they they used to have them and put them up on the wall, and they used to big plaques and you know banners or whatever. Put their vision statement there and their mission statement there, and then say, "Look, this is our mission. This is our vision." And you know, I believe that unfollow. I believe, yeah, they spent millions of dollars uh, on on these consultants to do these sort of visions and mission statements, and they were printed, and once they were printed, nobody ever read them. And nobody in the company knew what the vision was. Nobody really knew what the mission was. And as new managers came in, as uh, things changed, they, they got further and further and further away from those sort of missions and, and statements. But today, it's like people have been forced to make the change. People have been forced to look at what you're doing. One of the things that Matt and I wanted to talk about today was about how what's stopping you from doing what you want to do, you know, what's stopping you? And um, Matt and I were talking earlier, just before we came on air, um, about how a lot of people have anxiety about what's happening and how the the COVID's affected them, how the world's changing, um, how their education systems changed, how uh, students that were doing the final year of school before they get their grades to go into university, 
they, they've all messed up everything because their exams weren't able to be taken the way they were taken. Um, things had to be on computer where previously it was face-to-face and, and everything's changed. But, but do you, you know, Peter, uh, very few CEO really take a uh, helicopter ride to hover over their business over their business and to see what's good so they can see from the top yeah because no point going in uh it, with, within uh, a tunnel vision mm-hmm. and everything works fine oh yeah matt is doing a good job peter's doing a great job ron is is he's busy but do we know obviously we know yep. we know the result well the old so thing you've got to have a look at <coughs> those results every week yeah uh, and and really take care of, of your your staff to make sure your staff are happy and you and you have you should be able to to identify whether one of your staff yep. is not very happy. If you're not, why not? What what is the problem with you? Well, the the um, one thing I've learned uh, from previous mentors of mine and previous coaches and people I've worked very close with is that um, a lot of people do their taxes when they do their tax. They do it in arrears, mm, right? Sometimes, <laughs> some yeah, but some people are, are two, three years in arrears, and some even further. And I used some to drive my accountants crazy because I did mine two years ahead of time. Yeah, basically. well, that's that's the difference. Yeah, more than two. Yeah, what well, you need to is, know where the figures yeah. are. I mean, uh, if you have budget, it, the trouble is a lot of people have budgets. But then, do they really work to those budgets? But well, to I, see I, if, those if budgets you achieve, and arrears, they, uh, they've they got to be worked on arrears. No, no, this is the biggest problem I found talking to my business clients and my uh, accountant friends. Most businesses do their tax in arrears. They do mm. last year's tax or the year before. Stupid. They're two years, maybe even three years in arrears. And, and I always did and mine then, way ahead of time. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, how can you budget? How can you budget from two it, years ago? It's too late. And Go. my attitude was always, I don't want to give the government more money than I have to because they're not going to spend it wisely anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they're just going to open another methadone clinic or yeah. do some study on something they're never going to do anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it's yeah, very yeah. important for for you. What do you do, you and, and Matt? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, if I yes, no, no, no. This is Italian radio, mm-hmm. and he talks like an Italian. We to just interrupt all the time. That's Matt's okay. not used to that. You see, he okay. thinks it's being rude. Well, I mean, no. we Americans are known for being much more polite, you know, oh, than anybody yeah. else in the world. Where, so where that's, are that's you known? <laughs> where are you known for being polite? What planet was that, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matthews. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think we in business they're not close enough to the to their uh, staff. Yep. And their clients. That, and that's where the problem is. Well, mm. the fact is that um, the and people that I've been working with, the people I've been working with and learning from, because I learn from them all the time, is that they're saying that where they were doing monthly audits on their um, stuff, you know, previously some people do audits like every year. They Once a year they look at their budget and think, oh, this is our yearly budget. Now, then the, the ones that have really got their finger on the pulse are doing monthly audits and, you know, mm. like or, or doing six monthly audits and monthly audits. Now, today, I was talking to some people just in the last few weeks and they're saying at the end of every day, they know exactly, exactly how much money has gone through the till in their business. Mm. And there's a big franchise that's right across Australia and they know exactly at the end of every day how much money has gone through their till. That's what I always did. Now, and it, you need to know. I'll tell you something else. I've because recently, otherwise you're not running your business in the proper manner. I've spoken about this before, even when you were on radio with me, uh, Armando. I mentioned how one of my uh, companies that had uh, multi shops, multi stores, what they did in the shopping centre, 
um, this is an idea that I picked up a long time ago and I was talking to them about it and they took it to the next level as well. They worked out that in their stores and in different districts, different people would come shopping at different times of the day. So in other words, they would open their shop at half past eight, by nine o'clock it was open, but there was nobody in that particular shopping centre until half past 10, 11 o'clock. And then around about two o'clock till four o'clock, there was hardly anybody there. And then at 4.35 o'clock till seven, there was a lot of people there. So what they did, they started stepping their staff and saying, well, you don't need to come in till 11 o'clock, but you have to be here at half past eight. You open up and do this this step up, up, up for the first three hours and you come in there. And then you do the lunch period right up from 11 till two and then you can have uh, the rest of the day off and then you stay here or you go early and you stay for the rest of the day. So instead of having two or three people there from half past eight in the morning until 11 before they'd stand around doing nothing really, you know, because there's nothing for them to do and until that time. So all of a sudden they have saved over 50% of their wages within the first six months. Which improved their bottom line. Huge. We, we call it time management. Yeah, but it's That's not only, what it is. It's time management, people management, and working out which shopping centre was busier and which was not. And, and some of them were quite interesting how turned their staff around. They've managed to give staff better time and the staff were happy. They said, great, I can go take my kids to school. I can do this, this, this. I can work this hours. And they rotate and their staff are much, much happier because they're working the hours that they want to work without being forced to be there for an extra hour um, doing nothing. Well, thank, thank to they're you, happier. Peter. They have sort of... Uh, they remove their hat and they have looked outside the square. Well, it's, it's not really. I mean, you know, I, I don't take any. Uh, uh, I, I didn't do it, but what I did was I suggested it to other people. I say, if these people are doing it, you should be doing it. If they're people doing it, you should be doing it. They've worked out like exactly how much money is going through their till. What day is their busy time? I remember when I was doing insurance, for example, and and I would say to people, when is your busiest time of the year? And you know, a lot of people don't know. Mm. They just say, oh, Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But for me, right, as a salesperson, I found that at Christmas time, very few people they're were not busy. They, they weren't busy. Unless they're in like, retail. But, you know, January or December, December, January, uh, hardly any business is done in the insurance business. Well, I think this goes back to what Armando was saying as far as you've got to have a helicopter view of your business. Yep. Stephen Covey, I can't remember which book it is, but he talks about the difference between workers, managers, and leaders. Well, in CEOs. every book, in every book but, he's mentioned it. But the analogy habits of effective management. I, I think it was one after that. Yeah. But, but anyway, the the point is, he talks about how the workers are the ones. If you're, uh, are the ones cutting down the trees. Yeah. The managers are the ones that are you know making sure, telling the workers which trees to cut and making sure the saws are sharp and all that. Mm-hmm. And the leaders are above it all, going wrong forest. yeah so i mean i think it's important to folk work on your business rather than in in your business sometimes as the saying goes and very 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 few people are able to do that and it's worth reminding business owners of that yep but you you know uh, just uh, uh, very important uh, issues that uh, i come across every day of the week Uh, so we're talking to i have a chat with a couple partners and say, uh, 
Peter, uh, Tom, do you have a partnership insurance? No. What for? We're good mates. <laughs> I said, oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, that still uh, happens. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> great to hear you, good mates. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's an old saying that who who writes well reads well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I ought to bring to your attention that it would be best if two of you get together, go and see a good solicitor and draw up an agreement mm. about your business. Mm. So if anything should have, God forbid, should happen yeah. to one of you, how the survivor partner going to pay out yep. the, the, his wife well, they a, say and, they, and, to, and to return their business. Yeah. Well, they say the toughest ship to navigate is a partnership. Yeah, and that's a good so, thing. I mean, you've got to... And, and they, uh, and they, fail, well, they fail in their business because mm. uh, something even, goes wrong and then, of course, they, the knives even and in the family business. Yeah. Are, uh, are on the desk and they end up in, <coughs> in court yep. and lawyers sort of man, manipulating the, the settlement and they're milking both systems. Mm. Well, you know, there's a... a, a Thing way back, I remember when I was uh, doing insurance way, way back, um, there was two brothers working really well together. The father had, you know, built the business. The two brothers came into the business and grew the business quite well. Um, when uh, one of the brothers, uh, the father died eventually, unfortunately, and the, and the two brothers took over, one of the brothers for quite a long period of time got disabled, right? And um, he was hit by somebody else. And so he was uh, disabled for a long, long time. Mm. And, and they weren't sure whether he was ever going to walk and recover properly. But the sister-in-law came along and said, hey, I want my share. Mm. <laughs> and, and, the, uh, and I want my son to, mm. to take over from his father. And, and the son at the time was just about 17, 18, mm. right? And he was going to – he said, no, I want to go to university. Mm. I don't want to go into go this there, business. No. So the mother – came into the business for a little while to try and do what her husband was doing. And you know nothing about the business? And that, exactly. They were having all sorts of troubles, that you know. Does. And eventually the brother, the, the guy said, look, you just stay home. I'll look after the business. We'll get a manager. We'll get the manager to do that. So, so Peter, this, we've this got to, is, we've we, got to we, take a break. We could talk on this issue here for, oh, for, look, for five a, hours. It's a whole Because it's a very important a, issue. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be happy to, to address it one day. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll, no problem we'll, at we'll all. certainly be delighted. It's a it's a something that we keep reminding our uh, listeners about. Listen, we're we're going to take a break. We're going to come back to you. That fifteen minute time just flew. Um, Armando, it's been a real pleasure having you here. It's been fantastic. Thank you so and much for well, having me. And Matt, you know your input might be little, but it's very poignant. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Thank Hang you on. to we'll, everyone. We'll, we'll be back in a minute. We'll be back soon. Bonacera restaurant where you eat Italian style. Come and visit our elegant reception room for weddings, baptisms, family functions and much more with a capability of up to 100 people. Eating at Bonacera restaurant is like emerging ourselves in the all Italian dream. On Friday and Saturday, lots of music in our piano bar and you'll taste the fabulous specials of our Maria. At Bonacera Restaurant, fixed price includes three courses, dessert and coffee. Bookings 83795647. Bonacera Restaurant, 295 Glen Osmond Road, Glenunga. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite. 
Marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, Granito, Marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. Now it's time for a mentoring session with Happy Business Radio. Every week we bring you a little motivational story to uh, just to motivate you and make you inspire. And this week we've asked Matt to do the story. So Matt, over to you. I want to talk today about the importance about of being unreasonable. In 1940, a poor little black girl named Wilma was born the 20th out of 22 children, prematurely in racially divided Tennessee. She weighed less than 2.1 kilograms. Obviously, being born African-American during segregation, in poverty, and prematurely, she was sickly. She had the measles, she had the mumps, she had the chicken pox, she had scarlet fever, which can kill you, she had polio, which did almost kill her. It left her left leg twisted and paralyzed. Born in this environment with these diseases, one would probably be unreasonable to think she would survive, much less succeed. But her mother was very unreasonable. She took her daughter to the hospital, The hospital would not admit her because, of course, she was black. Being unreasonable, Mrs. Rudolph waited every day from open to close at the hospital for a doctor to come out and see her. After about a week, one finally did. The doctor told her, your daughter will never walk again. However, you could do massage her legs four or five times a day to relieve some pain. There is a colored hospital 50 miles down the road, though, that you can see. Oh, and by the way, if you come out here again, we're calling the police. Mrs. Rudolph, being unreasonable, did go to the racially segregated hospital 50 miles down the road on the segregated bus. The doctors there told her the exact same thing. Your daughter will never walk again, but you can give her some massages to relieve some pain. Wilma's mother, who had no education, much less a me- medical training, was completely unreasonable. She convinced the doctors to make a special brace for her daughter and give her therapy two times a week in the chance, off chance, that she might walk again. Mrs. Rudolph did this 100-mile round trip twice a week in this therapy that was supposedly useless. By the age of nine, Wilma had learned from her mother to be unreasonable and refused to use the leg brace ever again. Against doctor's orders, she removed the brace. By 12, she could walk. If the story stopped there, it would still be inspirational. But the story doesn't stop there. Because Wilma Rudolph was completely unreasonable. She decided to join the basketball team. But who wants a kid on the basketball team that just learned how to walk? The coach, however, did want her sister on the basketball team. Her father, who was also unreasonable, said, if you want one daughter, you get them both or none. So Wilma got on the basketball team. The second year, she scored 803 points or averaged 40 points a game. Then she decided she wanted to go out for the track team. Kind of unreasonable when she hadn't been able to walk four years before. She went out on the track team. She never lost a race in high school. Then, at the age of 16, she tried out for the Olympic team. She made it. In 1956, she won the bronze medal in the the Olympics in Melbourne. Then in 1960, after winning her first two gold medals in the Olympics, she sprained her ankle. Being completely unreasonable, she convinced her team to let her continue to run the 4 by 100 meter relay, which they won the gold in, and set a world record, as she set a world record on the previous two races. Be unreasonable. 
Well done, Matt. Very well done. Great story. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Yes, thank you, and thank you for listening to us, and of course, thank you for Armando for coming in. Um, it was great to have him here. He used to be a regular on our show and uh, co-hosted with me for many, many years, um, and now he's gone back into the insurance business, or he's always been in the insurance business and doing very well, and because of the COVID, he's been hand-picked to go back and look after all his clients and and it's interesting because although people look after people and are there but during this COVID period a lot of people just needed that reassurance uh, that things were okay and that's what he's been able to do and that's what he's provided but talking about reassurance I've been um, again I was talking to Matt before we came on air and uh, a, a couple of things have come up how I've got this young man that I've been uh, coaching and um, he's so good. He came out of university with like the top top marks in university. He's a town planner. He's this, that, and everything else. He's got degrees in you know so many different areas. It's quite incredible. But um, he was taken over a project. He was working on a project, and he became the project manager of this uh, uh, small project. And then he did such a good job that somebody said to him, "Look, would you look after this for me as well?" And then somebody else had to go on holidays. So he he ended up being in a spot where he was looking after three or four big projects. And then he he got this huge development to do, and uh, he was asked to look after that. But what was really interesting, he finished every project that he took over, finished within budget and ahead of time. And and in the public service, (laughs) with all due respect, that doesn't happen very often. And the contractors, he was started to help to negotiate some of the contracts as well as the the planning of it because in the planning you have to know about the negotiation side. So he's been a young man and been taking over bigger and bigger and bigger projects and working on multiple sites, which was really difficult because normally you just work on one site until that's finished and you go to the next site. But because somebody else was um, unexpectedly sick and somebody else was on long service leave, he took over a couple of projects. So... He's been now promoted, right, or floated to the surface, I'm saying, uh, of several big projects and consulting on others. All of a sudden, he's thinking now, huh, I'm not able, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. You know, and we talked about anxiety. Mm. His anxiety levels has gone through the roof. And uh, what do I do about it? How do I handle it? So when I was talking to him, now my wife Dana is a clinical hypnotherapist and mm. uh, she was able to um, you know, help me with a lot of other things and, and I, I refer clients to her all the time and vice versa because we all do things differently. But from a consultant point of view, when I was talking to somebody who have anxiety, the first thing you said as well, Matt, you said you go back and you say, well, where's it come from? Mm. You know, 
and and what would you do like in that situation? Well, there's a few things. I mean, the first thing I, I would tell him he's in the wrong place if he's in the government because they don't really like <laughs> uh, efficient people. And and I would also point out that you know when he did the budgetary process, he probably forgot the reason he coming he came in under budget is he probably forgot to work in the kickbacks <laughs> and uh, the palm greasing that should happen in all uh, political government projects. So that's probably the problem there. So he could work on that, I suppose. But all kidding aside, I mean, the first thing that I thought of when you said uh, he's afraid is, uh, obviously, I would take him back and try to figure out why. But first thing I would say is I'd say Franklin Delano Roosevelt said it himself mm -hmm. best. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mm -hmm. Actually, he said it. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. With, oh, his Boston American with his New York accent. But, <laughs> but the reality is, is that, you know, I, I, I and, and, and I would point myself out to an, as an example a little bit. I'd say, listen, I've been audited four times. Okay. I've been investigated by ASIC. I've uh, been to consumer affairs and trade practices a bunch of times. I've been to the fair work ombudsman. I've spent all these nights worrying, how am I going to pay this bill or that bill or whatever, or make this. And I tell you what, every single one of those problems was not a problem. <laughs> you know, it was all fine. At and I made time. it all, I made all these things, you know, huge, much big, bigger than Ben-Hur, as they say. Yep. And uh, they weren't, you know, they were all fine, all of them. So I think that we, we just, our mind goes in the direction of, oh my God, instead of how can I turn this to my advantage? You know, mm -hmm. they, they teach, uh, Sun Tzu talks about that, you know, but when I go back to high school, I used to wrestle. And in wrestling, you know, you get different points for a takedown and escape, but you get two points for a reversal. So in my mind, I always go, hmm, how can I turn this into a reversal? You know, and that was uh, even more pushed into my, the top of my, uh, my uh, cerebrum there when I w was in the military university because mm -hmm. that's something that you learn in the military. If you're in a bad situation, how do you immediately flip it to your exactly. advantage? Yep. So I think that's what we need to focus on. And, and again, I would go back. I'm not going to spend too much time about on, on that, but I would go back and say, okay, wh why do you think, you know, uh, you ha why are you nervous about this because of that? Why? I would keep asking why until he got sick of whys. Mm-hmm. And to get to the root, yeah. you well, know, in, without in, putting ideas in his head. Yes. And, my, my, and that reminds me of something else I'd tell him. I'd say, listen, you know, what I learned was something my father taught me. My father said this once in jest, but it's actually kind of true. I said, he said, the only time I'm wrong is when I doubt myself. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there's lots of ways to skin a cat, yeah. and you just focus on, uh, on making that work. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, no. The, the, you wanted to say something. Yeah, no, Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's it's important because what happens is, like I remember, there's this story which goes back like hundreds of years, um, and it's a, the little engine, the little the little red engine story. And um, I remember reading that or have that read to me or told to me when I first went to school. You know, like seventy years ago. You know, they were saying the story a hundred years ago. They were saying the story. Probably 200 years ago, they were saying the same story. I'm trying to remember when, when Robert Fulton invented the steam well, engine. Because for you, was, that, yeah. Well, what I'm yeah. saying is it, this <laughs> This is probably even they did before that, the steam engine. Oh, okay. I they were telling say. stories oh, okay. about, you know, like the little cat 
going to the big cat, the little boy. Last week we talked about the two wolves, mm. you know, and it's a, like there's an angry wolf and a happy wolf and one's got all these negative traits, one's got all these positive traits and, uh, you know, they, they've, they're having this fight inside us and the little boy says to his father uh, or his grandfather, which one wins? And the, the, the one that wins is the one that you feed, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, last if you have a look, listen to the last podcast, you'll um, have the whole story there. We, mm. uh, Ron and I did a good version of it. Um, but that was on that uh, last week's uh, podcast. But what, what's more important is ever since the train engines were first started, there was a story about this little red engine. And the, the little red engine um, tried to go up all this big hill and up over the top and all the other engines said, I can't do it. Oh, I'm not never going to make it up there. I'm never going to make it up there. So they all stopped in the depot, didn't even take off, you see. And the little red engine said, well, if it's me and the caboose, which is the, the little red engine with the little uh, carriage, one carriage on the back, he said, I think I can. Mm. You know, and the other said, well, what, what? He said, you silly little thing. What are you doing? Get out the way. Can't you see, we, you know, we're, we're big engines. We, we don't think we can do it. And the little one said, well, I think I can. I think I can. And he got right back and he backed up, backed up, backed up, had a full head of steam and, and charged his motor up as much as he could. And his boilers were, you know, uh, about to bust. And then he pulled the whistle and away he went. And, he's, and all he kept saying was, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he's going along and then all of a sudden he hits the hill and he's going up the hill, up the hill, up the hill, up the hill, up the hill. And he's still saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And he's getting right up to the top. I think I can, and he looked back a little bit, but he said, oh, I think I can, I think I can, I really think I can. And he got to the top, and all of a sudden he goes, zoom, up over the top, and all he kept saying, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could, and he went all the way down mm. to the next station. And the story it can be told in so many different ways, but mm -hmm. the point is, if we really think we can, mm. we can. Mm. But as soon as we say it, I don't know if I can do it. Mm. That's right. You don't know if you can do mm. it. Mm. And if you say, I can't do it, well, that's it. You've done. Yeah. You Henry, Henry Ford said that whether you think a thing can be done or you think a thing can't be done, you're right, you're right either way. <laughs> yeah. Either way, and, you're right. And, you know, what you said there, Peter, reminds me of all these books that say, all I need to know is what I learned in kindergarten, you yeah. know, <laughs> and, th and that's true. I mean, yeah. that's really, I mean, there's so much that, uh, you know, that helps you be successful. That's 80% of it right there is the stuff you, you should have learned in kindergarten. Um, I was reading years and years and years ago, uh, the new England journal of medicine. Yep. Okay. And it talked about how it talked about multiple personality disorder. And it discussed yep. this one fella that had, he had multiple personalities, obviously. Yep. And one of his personalities had diabetes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when he was in this certain personality, you give him a blood test and he tests for diabetes. Then he would switch to this other personality, you know, a day mm -hmm. later, a couple days later, whatever. And they give him a blood test, no diabetes. They couldn't understand it. And, and, and they can't, I mean, cause his mind manifested all the symptoms of diabetes. Yep. So you can actually, I mean, I'm not one of these guys. It's like, man, with positive thinking, you can do anything. I mean, if you're 70, I don't care how positive you think. If you're in a wheelchair, you're probably not going to play for the NBA. Yep. But you are going to do everything better yep. than if you actually... Quality of life. If you, if you're going to do everything better if you have the attitude that you can instead of you can't. You focus yep. on what you can do instead of what you can't do. 
Well, you know, the other day I, I read a story about this. Um, it was in the advertiser here on a Saturday or Sunday, um, <clears throat> and it said about this uh, young boy who was a, 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 a played for the Hills District uh, football team, and uh, he was a captain. He was uh, uh, picked for the state. He was uh, uh, going up to the league team. He was, you know, put his name up for the league, and uh, he had a major, major accident where he, he's become a paraplegic. Mm. And the father, who was a, an ex-footballer, an ex-sports person, a very big businessman, he was totally, totally, totally devastated. His son is 18 and his whole future has gone. And he said... Tell that, that he, to Stephen Hawking. No, no, no. Yeah, but he said the only thing that changed and made him change quickly is said his younger son... His younger son, when they were talking about he's never going to do this, he's never going to do that, and they were really, really at the bottom of the depression and heading further down, the younger son said, well, at least he's going to be a paraplegic mm. and he's going to be in the Olympic Games mm. and he'll get a gold medal for sure. Mm. And the father looked at him and said, what? And then he heard what his son actually said. Mm. He said it turned him around mm. so fast. Mm. He said if it wasn't for that, he was going to be in a depression forever. Mm. And and then the the South Australian guy here who um, won the uh, twelve times tennis championship in the in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. he's here on Adelaide Radio every morning, and he's just won the Australian Open, mm. and and the, he's won World Open twelve times, mm. you know, and he's from Adelaide here at the radio stations. Mm. So um, that sort of thing helped him to change and get out of that depression. So well, what what we're talking about here is well the, okay sorry what, sorry what the, you the, said the, the point the, the yeah bringing that back to what what I was talking about before and what you were talking about is whenever I have a, a challenge like that I the first I keep asking myself this question I say okay how can you know I turn this to my advantage or how can this specific you know situation help me reach my goal whatever yep. the goal is yep. you know so if I'm like okay <laughs> so I'm getting audited. How can this help me reach my goal? Sometimes you have to stretch. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, but I go, okay, well, I'm gonna, well, it's going to force me to tighten up all these systems. It's going to force me to do this, that, the other thing. So, you know, you switch it around in your head to how is this going to help me do better uh, or look, get where I want to get? I mean, I give credit to uh, several of my mentors, but one of them is like Tony Robbins. And Tony Robbins, when I was doing my master's uh, with him, um, he was saying how, uh, Master University, he was saying how when he went through a major, major uh, bust up where one of his partners had taken stuff and rewritten it and put their name on it and, and all the rest of it, he was he was losing millions of dollars. He was going to lose a lot of money. And, you know, and one of his staff said, you know, don't you hate it when they tell you what you've said? And he mm. said, okay, what's good about this? Mm. And he said, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then one of his mates, hang on, don't fire her yet. Mm-hmm. He said, what is good about this? Or what could be good about this? You know, and uh, Tony himself said he had to ask himself that question mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again before mm-hmm. his mind would go back to saying, mm-hmm. okay, what's good about it then? Mm-hmm. You know, he just had to shut that thing up. Mm-hmm. And so he said, what's good about it? And that's what made him come up with what's good about it. Mm. Okay, we have to go down to listen to our couple of sponsors. Thank you very much. We'll be back very shortly. 
At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Peter Saluno on Happy Business Radio on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Radio Italia Uno and Happy Business. Uh, we are coming to you at 2 o'clock uh, till 3 o'clock every Monday afternoon and we also have the podcast. Thank you to um, Ron from uh, um, Podcast City Adelaide. And... Um, If anybody here in Adelaide or anywhere wants to get in touch with uh, Ron at Podcast City Adelaide, please get in touch with him. He's a really nice guy and loves to help people. Um, So we we were talking about how uh, Tony Robbins taught me to say what's good about this when something really goes bad. And, and, uh, and even while things are going good, you've got to say what's good about this. How, what are we doing that's working so well? Because that's a problem as well. Because some people don't, do an analysis of what's happening you know um how come you know you most times you the squeaky wheel gets the grease or the squeaky wheel gets the tension things that go wrong get fixed up but when you're doing things right you're going to say hang on a minute we're doing things right this is working like let's keep doing more and more of this you know if i'm building up my muscles i want to make sure i'm building up the muscles that i want to build up you know if i'm building up uh, some strength in my lower back i'm going to make sure that i'm doing the exercise that will build that part of my body up you know, and Matt, you had a story you wanted well, to mention. Yeah, when you when you uh, uh, mentioned the Ro- Tony Robbins and yourself framing things, that reminded me of a story of of uh, of how to frame things the right way and the best way. Uh, in 1914, Thomas Edison, as you know, famous inventor, his workshop burned to the ground. In his entire, all his money, his entire life's work destroyed. Wow. He was 67 years old. And as he's watching the flames climb higher and higher into the sky, mm-hmm. he's fallen down on the ground just watching it in, in exhaustion. And his son run and his son uh, he won't say anything to anybody. They go get his son. His son runs up to him. His dad is just sitting there watching this, you know, without saying a word. And his, his son is very worried about him, thinks he's going to have a breakdown, collect, you know, whatever. And dad, dad, dad finally gets his dad to speak. And his dad says, oh, this is wonderful. All of our bad ideas have been destroyed. We can start all over again. <laughs> and three weeks later, he invented the phonograph. Yep. Or record well, player. <clears throat> well, it's funny because sometimes... When, when I do consulting with people, I always say, if you were just with what, you know, if I knew then what I know now, 
wouldn't it be fantastic? I mean, I went to a seminar this weekend and Ron was there as well um, about investing in you know, difficult times and, and that sort of thing. But I'm like saying, if only I knew this when I was like 18, 19, if I knew this when I was 14 or 15, I would have been a millionaire, multimillionaire before I was 21. You know, but if I knew it when I was 21, I would certainly would have been a millionaire by the time I was 30, and I was. But then I went through a divorce and a separation and everything else, and uh, by the time I was 40, I had to start all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and other people I've been talking to, the same thing. They had a business and that went really well, and then something, one little thing went wrong and everything slid down to nothing. Or, um, you know, for some reason they've sold the business and had to start all over again or closed down the business because, uh, you know, like people – that climbed the ladder of success and they had the ladder up against the wrong wall. Mm. You know, that's as simple as that. You know, you've got to change, pick which wall you put the ladder up against mm. if you're going to climb the ladder of success. You know, it's not, not a matter of just climbing to a top of a ladder and say, hey, I'm here, and in the middle of a paddock, you know, it's not going to do any good. So um, it's so important to look at what you're doing and how you're doing it and why, and why. So that, that thing there about, I always ask people, if you were to start today, Matt, with what you know, what would you do? Mm. You know, and that's where I'm saying. So with Ron, yourself, myself, you know, we, we should be able to start a business today and make sure that we've got everything in place before we go off the rails, you know. And most people don't. They don't check everything along the way. And this is what's happening with, with the consultants see, that I've been working with, the people I've been working with. I, I find that they've got a, a plan which is a four or five-year plan of, of, it's more like a wish list. I, I'd like it to be like this, like this. I said, but where's your steps to, to achieve that? You know, and we were talking about how people do their tax in arrears mm. and you're saying you always did yours in, adv- in advance. Mm. I sort of want to know what am I going to earn between now and Christmas so that I can have a really good Christmas. So mm. I need to plan, you know, next month um, or this month now, today's the 1st of March here and coming into March, um, we're going on to March and, and then moving forward from there. I know that at, at the end of this month, I'm going to be in uh, Sydney and Melbourne and, and I've got to go up to Brisbane and Gold Coast. So I'm planning those trips now. I'm not waiting till, you know, halfway through the month and then say, oh, gee, I better do something about it. You know, I've already planned those trips in advance. So your business, most people spend more time planning a holiday mm. than what they do spending their budget for their business. It's ridiculous. It, it is. It is. And that's why I'm saying. But true. It, but, it, but true. So um, we've, we've got to stop and wind up now because the show is already over. But look, thank you very much. Matt, thank you for coming in. Pleasure's all mine it's as always. Great to have you here. Of course, we had Armando Verde Leone here. And Armando used to be a regular with the show. And we've got Ron here doing the podcast. So thank you to Podcast City. Thank you to Radio Italia Uno. And thank you, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. You have been listening to Happy Business Radio with Peter Salerno. Catch our show every Monday from 2 to 3 p.m. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM.